This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby, who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of four, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. This is episode 132, we think, which is airing in mid-February. Today, we are really excited because we have some great guests. We have Joel and Matt from How to Money. Longtime listeners know that Sarah and I both listen to the How to Money podcast. I was a guest on it last spring. And so we've gotten to know Joel and Matt uh, over the past year or so, and we thought it would be awesome to have these two gentlemen on the program. They're both dads. They're both doing multiple gigs um, in their podcast and their, their main jobs as well. So we're looking forward to hearing from them about their work and life and what they have going on and some money tips as well. Yeah, I don't think Laura and I have that many, correct me if I'm wrong, Laura, like I don't think we have that many overlap podcasts, but I think we both came to this one independently, or maybe I heard about it from you, I don't know. But I listen on nearly every week and I know that you really enjoy it as well. So we thought a crossover episode would be really fun, although I think this isn't a mashup. This is a best of both worlds episode with them as guests. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And and one of the things that listeners of How to Money know is that they always drink a craft beer or we'll, we'll find out, do they really drink a craft beer if they're recording at nine in the morning? But uh, they, they drink a craft beer during the episode because it symbolizes something that they are willing to spend money on now, even as they're saving for the future. They always ask their guests what their craft beer equivalent is. Did they ask you when you were on Well, they did. I want to ask you, though. What is your your craft beer (laughs) equivalent? Well, I couldn't really come up with one, and I think that might be because I am not as frugal. Not as as frugal. (laughs) Like, I spend on plenty of things. (laughs) Nor Matt. But I will never deny myself the stationary supplies that I truly want. You guys all know that. I do not skimp on childcare, as we'll discuss in a very soon upcoming episode. And I'm really not frugal at all with travel. I'm very conscious about what we spend on travel, but no one in looking at the numbers or what we do would consider it frugal. So I feel it's worth it. 
Yeah, no, those are all great things to spend money on. And I mean, really, like something like stationary, you're probably not going hog wild. No, no, even if you're like, quote unquote, hog wild, and I'm not actually like, because honestly, I don't like clutter. So, you know, it's not like I'm always accumulating a bunch of stuff that I'm not using. I'm pretty reasonable about it. Even if you feel like you're being extravagant and doing like, I don't know, two $200 hauls in a year. Well, that's $200, which is not nothing, but like, you know, you could do a lot worse if your, your guilty pleasure was designer handbags or yeah. shoes well, or, or even <laughs> just if you chose to spend a slightly bit more on housing, that would easily yeah. get yes. that $200 haul in, in perspective. I mean, it's really about some of the big things, getting the big things right. And then, and I don't even know that it's 200, to be honest, I yeah. should look back. I know that I do tend to order the lovely Hobonichi box each year. And that's, that's usually about a hundred dollars. That's my biggest indulgence. And then when I travel, so combining the two, I do like to see if there's a fun, fancy stationery store. And I may spend like 20 or 30 bucks buying fun Japanese or Korean. Yeah. <laughs> I still have to remember that one I found in New York. I was just turned a corner and found this great Japanese store. It was like a department store. So they had more than just stationery, but I definitely looked at the stationery part for a while and I bought a bunch of tiny notebooks, which I've, we've discussed. I have a thing for tiny notebooks, which I then don't use <laughs> because I never think my thoughts are good enough to put in the tiny special notebooks. All so. of your thoughts are are good enough. I promise. So what is, I'm dying to know, what is your craft beer equivalent? Well, so since I was on the show, they asked me this question, but they asked it in the context of time. What am I willing to put time into that other people might find ridiculous? And my answer was singing. I mean, I'm not that great a singer. I can, I can carry a tune. I can sing harmony. I can sight read, or I can be in a, you know, auditioned ensemble, but I'm certainly never going to be a professional singer. But I, I enjoy it so much. And so I sing in my church choir, which meets Thursday nights and Sunday mornings. Um, Thursday nights, generally from about 7 to 9.30. Sunday mornings, I'm there from 9 to about 11.15. And then there are other concerts, too, a couple a year. Uh, and so when I was recording How to Money, I was on that way. I joked that I wasn't going to join them in the, in the craft beer consumption because I was on my way that evening to a rehearsal for... Mahler's was it second symphony I was singing out in New Jersey and again this is something so kind of ridiculous for you know you got some a lot of other stuff going on in life too with kids and work and whatever else to make time to go sing in a production of the symphony out in New Jersey but kind of thing that I enjoy doing so I'm willing to put time into it and so that was my my answer cool I love it that's great all right. Well, I'm very excited to hear what Joel and Matt have to say. And um, yeah, I want to hear about their craft beer. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually craft beer. All right. We'll be right back with Joel and Matt. Well, Sarah and I are here with our buddies, Joel and Matt from the How to Money podcast. So can you guys introduce yourselves to our listeners? Yeah. My name is Matt. Uh, I co-host How to Money here with Joel. And would you like to to hear like a quick little bio real quick? Sure. You can, you can do that. <laughs> so I used to work in the advertising industry as a designer. And I've been self-employed for the, the past 12 years or so. And so I also manage a few investment properties. And now Joel and I, yeah, we've started the podcast, which we've been doing for the past couple of years. Yeah. I'm Joel and Matt and I, we're best buddies. We've been best buddies for like a decade now. And yeah, I've been in the money media space for like 13 years. I've been obsessed with talk radio since I was a kid. I used to literally fall asleep at night listening to my favorite talk radio host. And so just <laughs> it's kind of nerdy, but Total nerd. <laughs> it's my favorite medium. And I think podcasting is now just the best fruition of what talk radio used to be. And so, yeah, I mean, we're having fun creating the show and listening to other podcasts and just love kind of the medium of podcasts and what it's become. Yeah, it's a fun space. And you guys both have pretty young families, too, and in some cases, very young children, <laughs> both of you. Um, so so what's, what, are, what are your kids' ages? Yeah, so I've got three kiddos. I've got a, a six-year-old and a four-year-old girls. And then I've got a four-month-old little boy named Ezra. And so, yeah, we're just, it's a, a ton of fun. Also, Laura, and as you guys know, I mean, it's 
also um, a big endeavor. So <laughs> yeah, that's actually almost exactly our age spacing. And we're, we're now almost eight, almost six and two. So um, oh, nice. yeah, actually, it's even more fun now. So okay. <laughs> right, that's good to know. Infant, yeah. Yeah, I am looking forward to that. Yeah, young kids are they're, they're fun, but it is a lot of work. So uh, Evie, uh, I've got Evie, Clover, Dottie, and Weston. So I've got four kids. I'm not looking to join your your plan of five (laughs) like you have, Laura. But yeah, they're amazing kids. My wife, Kate, and I, yeah, we, we love them. And you guys, your your sons were born. They're both babies. They're born, you said, two days apart. That uh, yeah, because we've caught a lot of flack for. It's pretty ridiculous, right? Who think that we do way too much together already, and so they're like, so "Oh, apparently, conceiving children is on that list." <laughs> right? That, uh, yeah. So people are assuming that we texted each other or you know pre-planned it. That is not the case, I can say. But it is really cool that we've got uh, that. Literally, you know, our first, he's got three girls, I've got two girls, and then our latest additions are boys, and they were born two days apart. Our last final kids are, are boys. I will say, I mean, I'll readily admit that Kate and I were on the fence of as to whether or not we're going to have that fourth child so surprise (laughs) (laughs) and now we have to be best friends for the rest of our lives and and your 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 wives and kids all hang out too right i mean yeah yeah okay yeah yeah well i mean so we i mean joel mentioned that we've been best friends for close to a decade and so we met yeah close to 10 years ago basically in the neighborhood we live like seven blocks away from each other yeah well we did then as well but we've both moved (laughs) several times since then but we still live just a few blocks from each other because we love our community so much, our neighborhood. And we, you know, you, you buy somewhere, you start putting down roots, you start meeting the folks uh, in the neighborhood and you realize that, man, I, I could really see myself here for a while. And yeah, we're lucky enough that our, obviously we're best buds, but our wives are literally best friends as well. We go on vacations together. We actually, we just booked our summer trip. We're going to go, yeah. we skipped it last year because last year was was really busy for us. But we, yeah, we booked a, a summer beach trip. I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be great. Yeah, that's awesome. When you work together and you're friends, you have to, I think we've had realized that you have to be really intentional about maintaining that friendship because it can be really hard as you work together and you're, you know, recording podcasts and coming up with show topics and responding to emails and all the other things that come alongside of that. You have to prioritize the friendship and that you can't just focus on the work. And so, yeah, this beach trip is something that we look forward to. And every once in a while, even though we drink beer while we're recording the show, we have to have a beer just for beer's sake. Uh, <laughs> yes, it's not associate it with work. You're right, like, exactly, oh, exactly. I don't like my beer anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We actually opened up this episode by discussing what our um, craft beer equivalent is because we Ooh. know that that's always discussed on your show. But inquiring minds want to know do, do you really, really drink a beer while you're recording? Oh, yeah. Like, what yeah. time of day are you recording? I mean, Sarah and I almost always record at like 9.30 in the morning. Oh, um, okay. Well, that would so, not work for us yeah. quite okay. as well. I think it would be frowned upon if we were cracking craft beers at 9.30. I think there's one episode that we didn't have a beer on and it was because that the is, guest true. had to record in the morning. And so we yeah. did, we blocked it off and we had uh, cold brew coffee instead. Uh, <laughs> okay. But yeah, no, we, we really drink a beer on every episode and we're really fortunate. There's a lot of great breweries out there and a lot of our listeners have sent us just some awesome beers throughout the months uh, that we've gotten to taste. We've gotten to got to try beers that we never would have been able to try otherwise. So yeah, we usually record typically after the kids are in bed at ah. start around 8 p.m. And so, yeah, that's just kind of the way that we're able to do the thing that we love and not eat into family time also. Well, we definitely want to get to that topic. How did you decide to start the podcast together, though? Because, I mean, like you said, you were buddies. And then, you know, that that doesn't automatically translate to, hey, we should start a podcast. We should be in business together. Right. So it's where <laughs> what what happened there to, to well, make that? So anytime Joel and I would hang out, we, we found that we would end up talking about like money stuff, like whether it be investing or real estate. Uh, that was a lot of our early conversations was about real estate because we're both uh, looking to buy investment properties kind of around the beginning of our friendship. But we, yeah, we would get together, we would talk about personal finance, and we would always have a beer. And so with Joel, having been in radio forever, yeah, a podcast is a natural sort of extension of that. And so I think you're kind of kicking the idea around a little bit. And I was like, dude, let's, you know, what do we what do we talk about every time we get together? And he's like, money. I was like, that's right. So let's, let's find beer. a way to talk about personal finance in a way that's interesting to to folks out there because most i mean money money sucks for the most part right like people don't like talking about money it's something that isn't fun 
And so we're like, okay, we need to talk about it in a way that's interesting, that feels approachable, that's not intimidating. And that was basically the, yeah, that was the culmination of the show. Yeah, it, it really was. He's, he's exactly right. There is there's this apprehension for most people to talk about money with their friends, with their peers, with their coworkers, with their family. And because we don't talk about it, it leads to a lot of money strife. And if we can talk about it well, and we can make it approachable, relatable, fun, have a beer while we're doing it, then we hope that it helps other people feel comfortable talking about money with the people that they love the most, and then also take some action to you know, get their money in order so that they can live a more fulfilling life. Yeah. And I will say too, I mean, a big reason why we have the beer on the show is because a lot of the personal advice that's out there focuses on deprivation. It's about, okay, how can I cut back? Like, what are ways that we're going to sacrifice and feel the pain? Make our life stink. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times those kind of sacrifices don't add up to anything that just will make a dent uh, in your budget or in your expenses. And so, Having a beer is a way for us to focus on the important things, saving for retirement. But at the same time, we're, we're still prioritizing things that matter to us now, like enjoying ourselves, you know, while having a, you know, while we're podcasting, having a nice craft beer. So that's really cool. And, and we just heard from you that you do the recording at 8 p.m. after the kids go to bed. What, what do your schedules look like? I mean, what, what's a, a day in the life of, of, of Joel and Matt? Well, it's a very exciting. Um, I'm surprised <laughs> we don't probably have... similar to mine. I'm like, well, there are kids in the morning. Yeah. There's school. There's... Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I'm surprised we don't have a reality television show and cameras following us around because it is so exciting. But yeah, typically, yeah, it is. It's, I try to wake up at 6 a.m. just so I can have 30 minutes to myself to shower, have coffee, do some reading before the hecticness of the day begins and the kids start to wake up and stuff. And so every morning I'm helping the kids get ready, you know, making breakfast while my wife takes care of our four month old and I'm, you know, getting them dressed and getting, getting out the door, dropping them off at school. Oftentimes when, especially when it's not brutally cold, I'm popping them on the bike and we're hop and we, we take our bikes, we drop the kids off at school on the bikes. And so, yeah, so that's kind of what the morning looks like. And then I head into work and I'm at my day job. Uh, most of the day from you know nine to five basically and then you know i bike home have dinner and then most nights try to be home and hang out with my wife but there are some nights nights we podcast or, or a night that i have to prioritize working on stuff for the podcast but it i try to confine all that kind of stuff to hours that don't conflict with family time and in particular sometimes i can hang out with my wife from you know after i put the kids to bed from like 7 30 to 9 and then she's tired ready to go to bed and that's a perfect time for me to get a little bit of work done before i go to bed yeah 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 i mean i'm not going to repeat all that because honestly like we had <laughs> similar, similar. Similar. <laughs> similar schedules based on reporting and our you know our kids go to the same school so like joel you know that it's about focusing on the things that we want to do and so like joel mentioned biking and for me that's a huge priority it's also the only way we're going to get any sort of workout in whatsoever <laughs> with how crazy things are. Yeah, that it, is true. The biking is the only thing that like accelerates my heart rate and gets me going and, <laughs> and gets me any sort of exercise. But as far as I mean, as far as work, you know, like that's something interesting as well, because we've seen that sort of evolve over time now that we're kind of doing the podcast on the side. So being self-employed, I've had the luxury lately of being able to kind of ramp down photography a little bit. And by doing that, uh, well, first of all, it's been necessary because like Joel's been in the spoken word space for forever. <laughs> uh, whereas being a photographer, there's a lot that I've needed to learn. Even though I've been interested in personal finance and investing, there, like, I feel like the past two years for me has kind of been a crash course. And where at least I'm kind of brushing up on some of the things that we're talking about. And so for me, it, being self-employed has been fantastic because being able to kind of ramp that you know, slow down photography while building the podcast up, that has been crucial. You know, it's been necessary for me to to be able to maintain some balance with my family, with my personal life, while also trying to essentially, you know, juggle two jobs at once. That sounds great. And we're going to go right back to this topic of balance and, uh, you know, how we prioritize our time uh, right after this ad break. Hey, listeners. The new year is about growth and change. We've got lots of resolutions, many people looking to do big new things in their lives. And if you're a business owner looking to grow your business, LinkedIn can help you find the right hires that can set you up for a strong year. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for, so you can hire the right person fast. Things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability, 
LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and puts your job post in front of qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. That's how LinkedIn makes sure your job post is seen by the people you want to hire, people with the skills, qualifications, and other interests that will help your business grow. It's no wonder that a person is hired every eight seconds with LinkedIn and why companies rate LinkedIn jobs as the number one hiring platform for delivering quality hires. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash best of. Again, that's linkedin.com slash best of to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. We'd like to welcome back our sponsor, DoorDash. DoorDash has something for every lifestyle. On the go with no time to waste? Have back-to-back meetings like I sometimes do? You can order pickup and pass the line. Or maybe you have trouble organizing a meal with friends. With DoorDash, you can turn a playdate into an impromptu dinner party. DoorDash is more than just delivery. DoorDash brings all of America's flavors to your door. Ordering is easy. You open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Not only can you find your favorite local pizza joint, but there are over 310,000 restaurant partners in 4,000 cities, so you might find a new favorite too. With DoorDash, you'll never have to worry about finding your next meal. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BESTOF. That's like a free sushi roll. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BESTOF. Don't forget, that's code BESTOF or best of for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Well, we're back. Well, we're- yeah, <laughs> we are definitely back. And I had a question that I definitely, I just can't resist diving down this pathway, although I don't know if it was in our notes, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, do, both of your wives have chosen to stay home as the kids are young. And is that, how, how was that decision arrived upon? And do you see that changing at any point? I mean, and to, you know, give this a little bit of perspective, uh, most of our audience is working women. So a lot of them struggle kind of with that choice. And since you guys are very conscious from a financial point of view, I was just wondering how played into and and no disrespect whatsoever because yeah. I think that one of the messages that we've put across is absolutely it's fine to choose to stay home if that's what you want to do. So if that's just kind of how things evolved then that's great, but I'd just be curious to kind of hear how that evolved. Yeah, so uh, I'll get a little personal here. For me, you know, growing up, my mom always wanted to stay at home and I just remember that being a topic of discussion frequently in the house that you know she and my dad would would talk about that she wanted to stay home and because of some financial decisions it just wasn't possible and so i remember that being really really hard for her and so i knew as emily and i got married that more than anything i wanted her to be able to choose whether she uh, whether she wanted to stay at home or not i just wanted her to be able to have the choice and at the same time i'm working in radio, which is not a super high paying profession. So I knew that I needed to figure something else out in order to make that at least a possibility whether she wanted to or not. And so rental properties were kind of that tool for me. So I started investing in rental properties, buying a new one every two years. And that accelerated our ability. It kind of acted as part-time income so that she had the freedom to choose when we did have our first kid. And so for a while, she continued to work. And then, you know, especially once baby number two came, it just she wanted to stay home and it also seemed to make more sense from a financial perspective i think most people find once kid number two comes and oftentimes especially if you have a third kid financially it does tend to make more sense for a lot of people for one of the partners to stay at home oh yeah and so sometimes yeah (laughs) Yeah. i think our central thesis tends to argue against that sometimes but yes every individual situation is different and i think that if someone wants to stay home and that's where their values are and that's where their choice is then more power to them if if the family you know figures out a way for that to work and meet everybody's financial goals yes and and so much of that depends right on what the income is too and also the cost of childcare where you live and everything all the all the numbers that we're seeing these days are just how inflated the cost of childcare are becoming it's getting way more expensive to drop your kids off at a daycare and and so that is one thing that does need to be considered but more than anything i think people should prioritize what it is that you want to do and if you want to continue yeah. working then that is what you should aim for and i think you can find the money for that and i think you can find the money to stay at home it just takes intentional living and and then cutting back in the areas that are going to help you to be able to make that a reality 
Yeah. I love that. You only get one life. So right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So some, I mean, similar to that, like Kate was working with me in our, in our uh, photography company and we kind of did things backwards a little bit. So like maybe this wasn't at the time the most financially wise thing to do, but we started with what our, we wanted our life to look like. And then we just did it. And so, <laughs> and so basically we knew that we wanted her to stay at home uh, with, with the kids. It's, it's a goal of hers. It's something she wanted to do. I was all for that because you know I wasn't going to say, all right, well, you can't do that because of, of X reason. Uh, and so when the time came and it got too hard for us to juggle, so we kind of juggled. She, she did both for about a year. But then for her, she I mean, she, we knew that, OK, once kid number two came along, we don't want to go through that again. For her, it was difficult. And so we just we just pulled the plug and we said, all right, well, from now on, you're not working. And we adjusted our life to conform to the the new financial constraints that we had, basically. And so we knew what we wanted our life to look like at home, which meant, uh, you know, Kate being there with the kids and and taking more of a role at home. And so we basically made sure that the decisions we made allowed for that to happen. So I'm curious, speaking about these decisions, because um, there's there's some aspect of the financial independence, retire early, fire movement, whatever. Some of these people, it, it seems like uh, families are cost centers. And so they don't <laughs> want to put, you know, so it's a choice to have a bigger family, which both of you have elected to do. It is then, you know, a choice to spend time with them, which it sounds from both of you talking about your schedules that you're prioritizing versus say, you know, taking on a different job that would require more hours or a side hustle that would take you away all weekend or something like that. Both of those decisions, though, mean that you probably reach financial independence later. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious what your timeline is for that as you are building up wealth and how you weighed that choice that some of these financial moves slow the process uh, considerably. Well, I, Matt and I were friends with a lot of people in the FIRE movement and the folks that want to essentially be able to retire by the age of 40, some by the age of 35. Or and, even 30. I mean, some folks some, I mean, are yeah. going crazy, like straight out of school, they're living in a van, but not like the gross kind, you know, down by the river, <laughs> like the living in a conversion van. The Minimize. Instagram van. You know? Yeah, the yeah, Instagram, van, like the sexy a, van, not the, uh, not not the, the gross van. Not the van down by the river. <laughs> right. <laughs> And so, um, yeah, we're friends with a lot of those people, but but we also don't hook, line, and sinker buy into the movement. I think they're, the quest for financial independence and for a high savings rate should be should is something we should all aim for. And I think it is more achievable than most people give it credit for. I think there are a lot of poor money choices that a lot of Americans make. And so we want to help people just think a little more intentionally and then also know the strategies around being able to save and invest better. But the goal of retiring and not working anytime soon is not something that's on my radar. The goal for me is to have enough money you know, in investment accounts, in, in cash flow for my rental properties, and to be able to choose what it is that I want to do with my days. And that will, for... I assume for a long period of time, you know, I'm in my mid thirties now, but I, I want to work for the next 30 years at something that I enjoy. And if it is helping people with their money, dispensing financial advice and encouraging people to continue along that path, but I can choose what that looks like, then that's what matters to me. Um, and so I want to make sure that I'm in the position to be able to do that and not be beholden to anyone or have to go get a job because, you know, things with the podcast aren't working out as well as I had hoped or anything like that. I think that's that's what it means to me. It's not necessarily bag and work in, in the next few years or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Joel and I aren't great uh, guests on, you know, fire podcast because <laughs> a lot of times it's like, well... I is okay, right? It's, no, yeah, I, we're I, not either. Yeah. <laughs> I completely agree with Joel in that being financially independent, what it gives you is options, right? It gives you the option to say no to something that you don't want to do. It gives you the option to, you know, devote more time to your family. Because like like Joel, I enjoy work. Uh, it's, you know, when you can see the work that you do as uh, a way that you're contributing to society, to society as a way that you're providing value, uh, when you can make that connection, you can feel really good about the work that you can do uh, and the work that you're, you're, you've maybe even feel called to do. And, and aside from that, like a traditional job, it lends itself for me, at least like it lends itself to the kind of lifestyle that I want to live currently and that we are living, right? Like we've got kids that are in school 
they love their school. They love their community. Uh, we've got tons of between me and Joel. I don't know how many kids there are on the two streets between us, but there are a lot. Yeah. You should see Halloween around here. <laughs> yeah. Crazy time. And so traveling the world, like becoming financially independent, traveling the world and world schooling or you know, homeschooling for, for us. That is not something I want to do. Like homeschooling does not sound very fun to me. Um, <laughs> but more power to the people that do oh, prioritize yeah, that, that and want that and to be the case. that's great for sure. But for me, that's not a priority. And, you know, kind of stick into the more, quote unquote, traditional American life where we have a regular job. And, you know, that's what we're kind of subscribing to. But what I'm not going to subscribe to is a, a job, you know, that keeps me working, you know, late into the night every single day that keeps me working on the weekends. That's that's been part of my shift of getting out of photography a little bit is because it required being on site on location. And a lot of times I didn't have control over those dates. And so when you do something like podcasting, it allows for a, tr a tremendous amount of flexibility. Sure. And so looking towards the kind of work that gives the kind of flexibility that that you're looking for, I think that's what's incredible. And that's the kind of options that financial independence can give you. I want to say too, we don't always get to make the choice for ourselves. And often we think, sure. well, I'm going to keep working until I'm 65 or I'm going to keep working until I'm 70. I love what I do. And so it doesn't matter. But the company you work for could have financial issues. You might get laid off. There are all sorts of things. And I'm particularly in an industry that's prone to you know, layoffs or uh, you know, losing my job. And so I'm, I'm keenly aware of that fact. Also, when I was a kid, my dad got laid off from a job and just hasn't been able to find work at the same level for the rest of his life. And so seeing that, knowing that that is a real possibility, as you get older, you might encounter health issues that you weren't expecting. And so there are all sorts of things that we don't get to decide for ourselves. And so planning ahead and being thoughtful and having a high savings rate, you know, as soon as possible so that you can plan for that potential of who knows what's around the bend. I think that's really important too. Yeah. Well, I, with that, I would love to pivot to some of our money conversations because we want to make sure that we get some of you guys' expertise on that uh, to, to our listeners here. But first, you, you do a segment occasionally, frugal versus cheap, which... I, Sarah's probably more frugal. I'm, I'm just cheap. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I don't think I'm really necessarily all that frugal or cheap. So. Sarah's just uh, a baller. She's spending money. She's spending money. She's into spending money. I, I, I have, I have like palpitations when I'm I spend money. I'm getting more frugal. You're getting more that. frugal, I'm and I'm, I'm trying to relax. But uh, we, we'd love to hear first. Um, what is the cheapest thing either of you have ever done? Uh. <laughs> and maybe a smart frugal me move you've made in the past week or so. Okay, so. I feel like I'm, I'm cheap in a lot of ways, but I've never done like a huge purchase where I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally shot myself in the foot to where it ended up costing me, you know, way more money down the road. Uh, but one thing I can think of is one thing I can think of right now is my glasses. I haven't had a, an eye exam in maybe over 10 years. We are talking to a doctor here, man. I know. I know. I, I feel kind of <laughs> terrible confessing this, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been a minute. And when I do get glasses, I, I go with one of the cheaper online retailers. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of Zenny, but they're pretty much the most like affordable. $9 glasses. $9, $9 glasses. <laughs> I spend a little bit more. Way, I way get... to disrupt that industry. <laughs> Seriously. But like that's one way that anytime, anytime I mention that to friends, they're like, wait, what? You you haven't had your eyes checked? I'm like, no, I, I see pretty good. <laughs> um, so for now, that's uh, maybe that might be a way where it does end up you know, costing me way more down the road, but hopefully I will get my eyes checked here sooner than later. So yeah. preventative healthcare is generally a good idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, so I, probably the cheapest thing I've done that my wife continually brings up is in our last house, which became a rental house. We, I put in some new ceiling fans, but <laughs> in our bedrooms, but they, they were yeah, like on sale, like 35 bucks or something like that. It was ridiculous, but they were these ceiling fans with the tiniest blades and they were, and they really, <laughs> They don't make any wind. <laughs> no, exactly. They were meant to be in like a tiny laundry room or something like that. And I was like, oh, God, I got some cheap ceiling fans. This is great. But ultimately, they didn't do anything. <laughs> they didn't move any air. And so they were worthless. So I had to go up. Oh. I had to rip them out and put some new ones in. That And so that that's just that's me. I, I, I think I've learned over time to buy things based on value as opposed to just ultimate cheapness because mm -hmm. I've made way too many of those pitfalls, missteps, and then had to rip something out and do it again because I was too cheap in the beginning. Yeah. Wow. I like that. I feel like that's like, well, I've generally learned to ignore sales for the most part, which I know yeah. sounds very anti-frugal, but 
the things that just I've bought and then never use, then it's like, I mean, I'd rather buy something at full price and use it to death because I bought it because I actually wanted it and loved it than have bought something because it had a appealing looking price tag. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's wisdom Not there yet. for sure. Yeah, I know you guys had Jean Chatsky on the show and she, yeah. I think she refuses to buy things on sale. <laughs> that I don't, I won't go that far, but I totally understand that that mindset. Like, because you don't want to be deceived because it's yeah. cheaper oh i gotta get I'm it now. overly influenced by it all the time I, I i'm trying to train myself like don't look at the price tag yeah. first right that <laughs> don't look at it, the color of the price tag if it's yeah. red yeah. it doesn't if I, matter if i'm you know shopping in a store where i know the general price range like you've decided that that's an okay price range right yeah. like you know so you're not going to find something that's like ten thousand dollars in banana republic or something you know it's just like <laughs> right. there, there, there's only a range and so if you're okay with the range like probably you don't need to look at the price. Just let go. Yeah, yes. just let go. Let go. And so what about some small financial goals? I mean, so the topic of personal finance often seems a little bit overwhelming. It's like, oh, well, I'm you know trying to save this huge number for retirement. Or so what are what are some small moves our listeners could make in the next week or two, maybe the next month that you think would have a big impact on on their financial health? Laura, I think the the best thing that folks can start doing is tracking their their spending if they're not already doing that, right? This actually makes me think of you because after we had you on our show when we're talking about time, I totally nerded out and started tracking my my hours, well, tracking awesome. my time, uh, and it has made a massive difference in how I view my days. Right, yeah, Matt's so, totally a Laura Vanderkam disciple now. No, I, I really am. I, I use an app called Clockify where I can just I've got these preset categories and I can switch between. You know, different activities throughout the day. But in the same way, if, if you don't know where your time's going, right? Uh, you don't know basically how you're spending your days. Same thing is true with your money. If you're not tracking your money, you're going to get to the end of the month. You're going to get to the end of the year. Hopefully, you're not going to get to the end of your lifetime and, you know, without knowing what you spent your money on. And so using different, the, the simple apps out there like Mint. You can just plug your accounts up to that. Or if you want to take it a step further, looking at YNAB, which is you need a budget. But using some simple apps to start seeing what you're actually spending your money on. And, and that can help you to realize that, man, maybe I am spending way too much on this thing that it doesn't at all rise to the surface. Like if you were to ask me, what do you value? And this object or you know this service doesn't rise you know, up, up to the top of the list. But then you see your budget and you see that that's up there. Well, then it's time to kind of reevaluate and see what it is that, you know, what did it, what do I actually want to spend my money on? Yeah. If you want to make money changes, but you don't know where your money is currently going, it's really hard to actually do it. So yeah, tracking is huge. And then I think like a couple big moves that you could make, for instance, like this Saturday, you could sit down and you could do two things that would save you a ton of money, probably over a thousand dollars a year and potentially multiple thousands of dollars a year just this Saturday. And I think the two things that we would encourage you to do is one, to change your cell phone provider. If most people are paying way, way too much for cell phone service, and it's super simple now to switch. And so there are a lot of great companies out there. I don't want to just mention one, but there's Mint Mobile, there's Visible, there's all sorts of different discount cell phone provider companies. And people assume they're going to get way less, that their service is going to be trash if they switch over. And that's just not the case. Most of these discount providers use the same networks that uh, from the big guys, they're renting space from the T-Mobiles and the Verizons of this world. And so if you would change your cell phone plan, you could save you know, $100 a month uh, or, or more. And another thing I think we would say is to, to reshop your insurance, whether you're, uh, if you're a homeowner in particular uh, and your car insurance, those are big moves that you can make. And there are simple ways to do it now. There's a, a website called Policy Genius and they will help you shop those rates. There, it's, it's kind of in this murky area where it's been hard to reshop your rates online, but you can look to someone locally who is an independent agent and you can call them and they will help shop for you. Or you can call a company like Policy Genius and they will help shop for you. But Literally, those are two things you can do on you know this coming weekend, and you can save potentially thousands of dollars a year, which help get your e-fund started, which is another one of those yeah. really huge things that most people don't have that they really need. Yeah, most folks are living fun. paycheck to paycheck, right? Like regardless if, I mean, you might making six figures, yeah. but uh, the same folks who are making six figures a lot of times are living paycheck to paycheck because they've just inflated their lifestyle as well, right? And so, we, you know, we've there's been studies, uh, there's a new study out that says that if you can set aside $2,467. Like that number specifically seems to have a massive impact across the board on it for individuals to be able to just in, 
to be able to ha handle sort of these unforeseen uh, emergencies that come up. And so anytime you can, you know, get a little more margin in your, in your life, we, we had an episode earlier this year about margin, time margin, but also, you know, margin when it comes to your money, it, you're, you're going to be in uh, just a, a such such a better place, right? You're, you're going to have so much more confidence. You're going to be able to make decisions without the fear that you're going to, you know, have your car declined or bounce a check, uh, that sort of thing. And yeah, so like Joel said, shopping your insurance and then taking that money, putting that into making sure that you have a, a funded emergency fund. Those, uh, those, just a few of those things can can go a long way in helping individuals to to feel better about their personal finances. I love it. I do not want to end this episode without talking a little bit about kids and allowances and how you guys handled that because I personally don't feel like I have that well figured out as a parent how to best teach my children about money. And my little backstory is that I honestly feel like I am only becoming wise about money in the last like couple years and I'm going to turn 40 this year. So I would like my children to learn before that. So what are your best strategies for helping kids um, learn the value of money and how to manage it? Yeah, I think making it kind of more, this might sound freaky to people, like like an everyday conversation thing, where it's just in uh, in the little things, I think bringing it up or, and my girls just tend to ask me about it. I, I don't know whether it's just because I talk about it way too much <laughs> or not. Um, but yeah, I think there's all sorts of just like little conversations you can have and be open about how you're spending your money and what you're prioritizing. And like, for instance, there's a we're going on a trip to Disney coming up next month, which not my idea, but we're doing it. <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited to see the looks on my girls' faces. But my wife and I were talking about, oh my gosh, they're going to want to spend so much money. They're, they're going to be so into it. And we're just going to say no, no, no the whole time. And that was a little bit depressing. And so, okay, how do we start talking about that with them now? And one thing that we did is we had a little like hot chocolate stand at our, at our house. And so teaching my daughter about how she can work in order to make money and then how that money is going to go towards the things that she wants to buy when we're at Disney. And obviously we'll contribute some of the money to, you know, she didn't make hundreds of dollars at this. <laughs> I say that, that probably didn't go quite far enough to cover Disney, but right. uh, and exactly. look, you guys it have really, really nice, nice neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's, it's that correlation. It's more than anything helping our kids understand that when they will do some work, it can correlate to income, which can correlate to funding the things that they ultimately want. And so, yeah, another thing like we would do for a while, we took my kids to the dollar store and they would buy like the cheapest stuff and it would break so quickly. And so we stopped doing that because it was just, hey, let's talk about more long term things that you're interested in and, and planning ahead for this Disney trip and then actually taking some action to do some work in order to to help them raise money to plan for it. Um, yeah, that was kind of one way we're able to talk about it uh, and just try to yeah, help, help them make that correlation. Because I think more than anything, you want your kids to understand that. And I think sometimes allowances can get in the way of that because it's just handing a kid money. And when you do that, then I think you're not helping your kid make that correlation that's so important for the rest of their lives because that's how they end up getting money for the rest of their lives is through the work that they do. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we don't do allowances as well. I think for for kids our age, making that connection between work and money, like that's the number one goal. And then over time, you can kind of take it to, you know, as kids get older, then I think you can tackle the subjects of like investing, right? And so like, hey, if you leave your money in, you know, the bank of daddy, uh, well, you will earn this much money every month and helping them to see that, right? So that's a concept that I think is pretty difficult with a six-year-old, but maybe with a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old, that's definitely something that they should be able to to grasp. And and I think actually doing it like that, like doing it yourself and not going with an, you know, an actual bank, because banks, they have all, you know, they've got the different accounts for kids and they do pay a higher interest, but it's still so small. And yeah, so it, it's, it's, kids, it's not very exciting to get like no, 1.05%. At all, exactly. And so doing that yourself to where maybe you're even matching you know, like a more of like a 401k style, but any way that you can take some of these principles that we experience in our day to day lives, you know, out in the real world and start implementing them at home is going to be a tremendous help for them to understand this concept so that when the time does come for them to enroll in an employer, you know, sponsored retirement plan. They're like, oh, just like just like we did with our just with, like the uh, bank of daddy. My, exactly. Just like with my first car. Every dollar I put aside towards saving for that that vehicle, that's what mom and dad, they, you know, they matched it dollar for dollar. So again, that's hard to do with with kids our age. But for me, I think one of the most difficult things has been 
uh, distinguishing the difference between chores that we do at home because you're part of the family versus jobs. And that, you know, that's just like Joel said, it's an ongoing conversation where we're basically constantly being asked, <laughs> like, if I do this, do I get paid? And it's like, okay, quick huddle, Kate. Like, <laughs> like what, what do you think about role? this? What's exactly. And so uh, a lot of these things we haven't thought through. And so it's it just requires communication and making sure that we stick with it. Yeah. And what about the tough questions, though? I mean, I don't know if your kids are old enough to be asking things like, what do you make? Mm. You know, oh, yeah. or are are we rich? There's one. Yeah. Right. So how do you, how do you answer things like that? Well, I mean, so that's not a question that our, my kids have asked, I guess, uh, or not 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 yet. But I think if they were to ask that, I would say that, like, like, or even specific to like, if they were asking how much, like, how much money do you make, or diving more into the specifics, like, I, I don't think a lot of that is super important. And for me, at least, I don't think I'm going to communicate that to them. I think what's important, at least at this age, is to explain to them that we, you know. That we have enough, I guess. I, I want to make sure that I, we instill financial security, and that the moves that we're making and the, the decisions that we make are leading to us, you know, not having to worry about money, because we we do want the money conversations that we have around the home to not be, you know, laden with stress. And so I think that's a lot of times why people don't talk about money when they get, you know, they, they have a significant other, they've got a partner. It's one of the last things they they want to talk about because a lot of times there's so much baggage that comes with you know, the subject of money. I wonder, you know, I'm just thinking about my own childhood and my parents were very frugal, but they never shared any details. Mm. And I don't think you necessarily need to share hard numbers, but I think what I might make an effort to do is to share percentages, like yeah. show my kids pie graphs of like, okay, this is percentage that we're saving. This is what we're saving for retirement. This is what we're saving for your college. This is what we're spending. And then they would get a sense that like, that's normal because I kind of had this vague idea that it was happening, but not really any scale to it. Um, oh, they're saving, but like, what does that mean? 5%, 20%, 40%. Like, I, I think, I think when kids are old enough to grasp percentages, I'm going to try to go that route. Yeah. I think that's, especially we've talked about that on the show. When you're talking with your friends, it can be really awkward because, you know, you might make $50,000 a year and your friend might make 85. And then you're like, well, how much are you contributing to your 401k? And if they're saying 10 and you're like, well, I can't afford to do that. The, keeping the conversation centered around percentages can make it a whole lot easier and more effective. Cause you're like, Oh, I'm saving 10% and I'm getting this match. And so I think, yeah, if you uh, talk in percentages with your kids, it can be a big help and help them to understand as opposed to big numbers. And then I think too, when you're talking about Laura, in particular, that question of, are your kids rich or, or are we rich? That's such a big question that kids have. And I think it's really important, like Matt said, to communicate that we are financially secure. But on the other side, it is important to kind of talk about how we are wealthy and we live in a wealthy country. And what do we need to do? Well, I think with that knowledge, we have to uh, prioritize service and caring for others that don't have as much. And I think that also is a really, really important thing to communicate to your kids. And so much of that is by doing and not just by talking. And so if you can lead your kids in service to others and show them that this is what we do when we have enough is that we care for others. That to me, that's a huge part of teaching my kids how to handle money well. I love it. Love it. Well, we always end our episodes with what we call our love of the week, which is something that is making our life awesome right now. So Sarah and I could go first if we want to give you a second to think about it. I can't even find my notes though. Sarah, what did, what did you have for, for this week? Mine, mine was a book this time, which I frugally obtained through our library system. It, it's called Celine by Peter Heller. And uh, like many of the books I read, I got the recommendation from the Modern Mrs. Darcy podcast. I love her. And this book was just, it was so quiet yet so good. The characters were just like delicious. Like I want to read it again and I never want to read things again. So shout out to Celine. Quiet so winner. mine is, I'll, I'll go similarly with, I have enjoyed been enjoying checking out like photography and art books from the library because I mean, these things are ridiculously expensive if you're buying them, the coffee table books and oh, you yeah. only look through them once and then they're kind of <laughs> sitting there on your coffee table for a year. <laughs> Um, until you think to put them away. So get them from the library and, and then you can look at this beautiful photography and uh, not actually have to um, shell out the cash that, that would require for, for these fancy art books. Nice. I like it. Great. Yeah. So, okay. Are we going to, I'm going to triple down here, library, but it's, I think for a lot of people listening to audiobooks is something they really w want to do, but they don't think 
about how they can get audiobooks for free, the Libby app is like my favorite thing. And I've been listening to the Harry Potter series on, nice. on the Libby app because <laughs> I've never read the book shame, shamefully. Shamefully. So, Oh my oh gosh. My and gosh. the guy who does the voice narration is incredible. He does every single voice differently. Um, and so Jim it's, Dale. Yeah, Jim Dale. He's oh yeah. The man. And I love those audiobooks. Yeah. So I've been listening <laughs> listening to those on the Libby app for free. And if you think about like how much a uh, subscription to something like Audible costs, man, Libby trounces the Audible for value when it comes to value for sure. Yeah, totally for free. I mean, and you can get ebooks as well i mean so we use libby and yeah. get books like you pull them up on your phone send them to your kindle or send them to the ipad and yeah we've totally been ripping through what we've been reading uh nate the great and magical treehouse no, magic treehouse yes, <laughs> uh, yeah. Magic, yeah so we've been ripping through those left and right but um my favorite, you can read those fast right like yeah, it's like yeah, yeah that, that's probably makes me feel good about myself i'm like <laughs> i read three books <laughs> it's, yeah it's Matt's it's, goals to read to read three books a week and he's hitting it so <laughs> <laughs> that's okay you read about loud books. with the kids yes um so my favorite thing of the week uh, my love of the week I, I will say i've mentioned this all the time on our podcast but aldi i don't know if you have aldi's uh where you live obviously this is money related i mean we save a ton of money by going there uh we save a ton of money on groceries kate's able to to feed our family of six now for for crazy crazy cheap she's an amazing cook you just got some good looking house plants from aldi yes that's what i want to say yeah we Who knew? They, they recently uh had some house plants and they are beautiful like we walked in there and they're all different kinds so there's it's incredible variety they look so healthy and a couple of them are like almost four feet tall like these aren't tiny little plants these are legit nice big old house plants and Kate's really been getting into it's like she's a houseplant lady now. Like we don't, we don't have cats. We're like it's, it's houseplants, and they're all over the house now. And so for us to score, we got five of them, and they were only thirteen bucks. Which normally this is like a little splurge. Like we don't go in and just like drop all this money, but it's only thirteen bucks. And these plants are amazing, and they're beautiful, and they make our house just a better place. Jungly. Yeah, more. Yeah, more jungly. I, <laughs> I am vowing right now to go. I, I have been intrigued by Aldi for some time. There is one on my way home from work, like between my work and my house. Oh, that's it's like 10 minutes away. Perfection. And I've never gone in there. And I've heard they have a lot of like good organic stuff too. Yeah. Like, uh, cause we're definitely very health conscious, but that's great. Yeah, we, we buy the I'm, organic. I'm motivated now. For sure. Yeah. The, the thing is with Aldi is you have to pay for your cart. Like you put, you pop the quarter in. So that's something that kind of weirds people out. And quarter, if you want to, if you want to buy a bag or if you want a bag, you have to pay for it as well. So just go in yeah. there. Yeah, we bring bags anyway. There you go. So, so take yeah. your bag in there, put everything in the bag, and just know that you've, you're going to have fewer options. But what that means is just fewer decisions that you have to make, yeah. less decision fatigue. Well, I might be the kind of person that buys like half my groceries there and the other half at Whole Foods because it's like balance. Yep. Perfect. <laughs> it all comes out in the wash. It sort of yeah. averages into, into a good number. Well, Joel and Matt, thank you guys so much for coming on. We, we really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. It was a blast. This has been so much fun. We, uh, we appreciate the invite. Thank you, guys. Well, that was great. And now we have our listener questions section. So this question was directed to Sarah. And it says, how do you handle being the primary parent in a work environment where most people at the same level of seniority have a stay at home or work at home, less demanding career spouse? This listener writes that I find that I'm virtually alone at this level of my organization, having a spouse with an equally demanding and less flexible career. So she works in finance and her husband is a surgeon. She says, I have lots of excellent childcare and can do some personal stuff from work, but this doesn't fully equalize it. Honestly, finding role models in this arena is tough. I would love to hear success stories if you have guests that are doing it all. I recently went to a round table of female professionals for college-age women interested in finance, and as is typical, the work-life balance question came up. All the other women at the round table voiced the solution of having your spouse be the first to call parent and handle the home front and drop-offs and pickups. Well, except me. Great for showing the next generation about breaking gender barriers, of course, but not helpful if you wind up with a spouse who also loves what he or she does and wants to lean into the career. So, Sarah, as uh, a two-physician couple, uh, what, what's your advice? Yeah, I mean, I thought this was a great question. And I, I definitely put myself in your shoes. I may not be at your level from a seniority perspective. It's sort of hard to equate finance with um, medicine in some ways. But I will say that at my particular level of leadership now at my institution, I have noticed a similar phenomenon. There are basically no women with families. I looked around at a recent meeting and saw a bunch of men and a couple of women who do not have children. And obviously, similarly to you, I am married to a surgeon. So he is not 
my house husband. So I feel you. I, I, I think we're not entirely alone. I think we're not vocal enough. I think this is one of the reasons that I wanted to start this podcast. And you know, that's not the only audience this podcast is for, but I certainly think we speak to women like you. I do also wonder if there's a guilt or shame component to why we're not uh, more vocal. You know, I don't belong to physician mommy group, which is that huge um, women's physician mothering group, basically. But I wonder if there is a similar group for financial executives. And if there is, there should be some sort of spinoff like financial women in dual primary career households, because I cannot imagine. I know it's probably not common, but I don't think it's a never phenomenon. And especially as time goes on, it's going to be seen more and more. Um, you did mention working with an executive coach, so I feel like that's probably a fantastic start. You can, you know, work with that person on on empowering yourself and and you know figuring out what works. And I think you should give yourself some credit for being the opportunity to be for having the opportunity to be that dissenting voice with those college students who are asking that question. Um, because even if it's not a solution for everyone, they need to hear what you have to say. So I also feel like this is an appropriate time to say that if you are listening to this podcast and the situation applies to you and you feel like you have something to say about it, it would make a great guest. Let us know because it sounds like your voice is very much desired. Yeah, this is something um, that I know my my husband occasionally deals with, um, that a lot of the people that he works with have spouses or partners who are 100% in charge of the home front. And that's great if you decide that that's what works for you. I mean, obviously, I have some flexibility in my career, a lot more probably than a surgeon does. But it it does come up because we have this conversation about him saying, well, these people will just throw time at a problem, right? That if the client says, let's meet first thing Monday morning, they will leave Sunday afternoon and not think twice about it. If the person suddenly wants to go to dinner well, they're not in charge of any of the pickups or sending a sitter home or anything like that. Their their spouse isn't traveling for work, and so they they can do this. There, and and so I mean, we we tend not to, you know, fight about it so much anymore because this is just the way it is. I'm like, well, so, so what? <laughs> like that's. I think you can. So I'm wondering if this is also occasionally coming from her husband's perspective that he does have some responsibilities because of who she is. And that he's dealing with the fact that none of his colleagues have that, um, or very few of them do. And, and the good news is, I think that if you are very good at what you do, that's its own upside to your career. That's its own distinguishing thing. The ability to throw time at a problem is actually not that distinguishing, because we all only have 24 hours in a day. So... I think you can focus on you know, finding the niche that you do best for anyone who's in this situation and really running with that. And then just recognizing that there's some upsides to being in dual big career households. I mean, uh, one obvious one is that you have probably two big incomes, which, you know, is is helpful for, for many things in life. And you probably don't spend all of it on outsourcing the things that the two of you are not doing because you are both very fully engaged in, in your careers. And you can also find ways to work with the sort of rhythms of the careers. I mean, I don't know what sort of flexibility you do have with being able to make up some time on weekends, for instance. So on the weekends when your husband isn't on call, those could be his primary times that he is fully in charge of the kids, except for a few family activities you decide to do together. And you can make up some time that maybe you didn't get to do over the week. And obviously, you're not going to take out your client for lunch on Saturday or something like that. But there's probably emails you need to get to prepping for the week ahead in terms of planning your priorities, um, you know, maybe sending some stuff out, working on some documents, doing some strategic thinking about the big picture. So those are all things that maybe could be moved to the time when your partner does have some flexibility. All right. Well, this has been Best of Both Worlds, and we've been talking with Joel and Matt of How to Money, and we will be back next week with more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. 
This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new, season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.